in the reading corner today, I'm so excited to have with me Alexandra Page and Steph Murphy. They are the creators, the writer and the illustrator of a wonderful new picture book called The Firefox. Uh, When you read this, all I can say is that your heart will melt. We're going to be talking about that book in a moment, uh, but I'd like to introduce you first of all to both Alexandra and Steph. So welcome both of you. Thank you. Hi. Thanks. So Alex, can I ask you just to set the book up for us? Tell us a little bit about it and then I know you're going to read for us. It's inspired by um, a Samaya legend from Finishing Up Land. And the legend is of a magical uh, Arctic fox called Tuliketi. And Tuliketi, the, the legend goes, runs over the, the snow. And um, as its fur brushes the snow, crystals um, fly into the air and create sparks that become the northern lights, which is just a beautiful, beautiful myth. Actually, the, the Finnish word for the northern lights is uh, revintulet, which is foxfires. So it's kind of interwoven in, in that landscape. And I kind of sort of wove the story uh, intermingled with this with this myth of Freya, whose father has passed away, and she goes to stay in a little log cabin with her mother, and everything feels cold and empty. It's somewhere they used to go as a family, but now it's just the two of them. And she's quite nervous about going out on her own, and, and everything feels a bit bleak until she encounters a white fox, an Arctic fox, outside. And she goes on a huge adventure with the fox through the snow, through the forests, on her sledge. And there's a moment in the story where the fox leaves her alone. And those feelings that she felt at the beginning really kind of overwhelm her again. But just for a moment, because actually that fox shows her you know, the joy and the light and ultimately the love that she still has in her life. I was going to ask you how you knew that particular uh, myth and why it spoke to you so strongly that you wanted to write a version of it. Well, actually, the story started off as something different. My original vision was of a, a kind of cosy fireside bedtime story. I, I knew I wanted it set in the far north. And I originally had a little girl and her grandmother. And um, it was always going to be a story about about finding belonging but it started off actually from the, the animal's point of view and it wasn't a fox it was a tiger and I wanted to write it about white tiger but unfortunately white tigers uh, exist in the jungles uh, of the south not in the north so that kind of didn't work and then I, I was researching kind of other possibilities of, of other animals and I came across the arctic fox and thought perfect arctic fox you know they exist in the far north that works perfectly and then I stumbled across this this myth and I knew what the story needed to be. And actually it, was, it wasn't it was the fox's story. It was the story of the little girl and what she had lost and what the the fox offered her um, in return. And so it was more that the kind of myth found me in a way. And this is very close to my heart. Fortunately, all my parents are still alive. But when I was five, uh, my family divided and my mum and my sister went to live in Africa and I stayed living in England with my dad. And so that kind of sense of absence has yeah it kind of really resonated with me with but also when I used to fly each year over to Africa there was a particular moment um, on the plane journey and I used to fly there on my own where dawn would break and the sky would just explode with colour and light reflected in the clouds and that always made me feel safe and loved and that sense of joy um, is what I wanted to really capture for Freya in the story, but also for any 
child that reads the story or has it read to them that sense that you know no matter how far away people might be or out of reach they are you're always loved one of the things in this that really struck me in what what you've just been saying there is how ideas evolve and our first idea is not always our best idea I'm sure when we talk to Steph in fact maybe I'll ask you that question now Steph do you find that's true that the first ideas are not always the best ideas 100% I like um so for the Firefox I sampled twice and um the first time I did I just panicked and um my first attempt was just nothing like what I created in the end and I think it just took a bit of time to like let the right thing come mm-hmm. and I think sometimes that's probably the same for writing I don't know if you find that Alex Oh, man. I mean, the amount of drafts and revisions and things that go through, even before it's been seen by an editor, is just crazy. But you have to kind of believe <laughs> that you can do it. Otherwise, you just look at the amount of work ahead of you and think, oh, this is going to be so long. Definitely worth it. I think it might be time to hear a bit of the story. No problem. So this is the Firefox. When winter came, Freya and her mum went to stay in a little log cabin. Your dad loved this old place, said Mum. He used to say it was magical. It's just what we need for a while. But Freya didn't like it. Everything felt cold and empty with just the two of them. Why don't you explore while I unpack, Mum said. I'll be right here. Freya wasn't sure, but the softly falling snow did look perfect for sledging. Freya wrapped herself up, tugged on her boots and pulled the sledge to the doorway. But when she looked out, the wind shrieked, branches creaked, and a cold gust blew in. Freya shivered. She was about to close the door when she saw a strange light out on the snow. Two golden eyes blinked, and a small shape crept out of the trees. Freya gasped as she saw a white fox. His bushy tail twitched in a friendly way as he padded closer to Freya. Hello, she whispered, stepping outside. The fox's fur shone like moonlight. He darted across the snow and looked back, waiting for her. For a moment, Freya forgot her fear. She followed, keeping close to the cabin. At the edge of the trees, Freya watched as the fox began to hop from shadow to shadow. Where his paws touched the frosty ground, coloured sparks flew up from the snow. Freya took a small jump. Snowflakes scattered in the air like stars. She smiled as they darted and dipped, sprang and skipped through the flickering forest. Freya and the fox reached the top of a steep slope. The wind whistled around them. Where shall we go now? Freya said. The fox tugged the rope gently. Freya held tight and he pulled her down the hill, fiery lights flashing from his fur. Freya laughed as they twisted and tipped, swerved and slipped down the shimmering slope. The fox ran on with Freya. His tail swished from side to side, sending frosty fires spiralling into the starlit sky. Let's go faster, Freya shouted happily. Suddenly, the fox let go of the sledge. Come back, Freya cried. But soon the fox was so far away, Freya couldn't see him anymore. Freya felt cold and empty without the fox. Until, slowly, she felt a glow spreading out above her. She looked up. The sky was dancing with light. Freya watched the fox fires flickering over the hills and trees and snow. Not far away was the glow of the little log cabin where Mum was waiting. Freya ran back to find her. 
Look, Mum, Freya said. He made it just for the two of us. They watched together until the last light faded from the sky. But Freya didn't feel cold or empty anymore. Because inside, the light still shone. Mm. Two separations in that story. In fact, not just one. And of course, in the second one, although it's not heavy on message, this story, but the idea that people leave something behind for us really comes through. So nothing is ever really lost. Well, that's certainly what I took from the story. I'm sure that may have been your intention. Yes, I think so. It's it's hard to know what will actually be brought across to people, whether it will be the kind of the sadness or, or the joy, but yeah, definitely the sense that no matter how far away or absent, you know, someone you love might be, that they still love you and that that still surrounds you. So yeah, I'm pleased that that's, that's kind of what you've taken from it, Nikki. Steph, I'm just interested to know what you responded to in Alex's manuscript and what you wanted to achieve. It's such a beautiful story. And when I was reading it, it just it was one of those stories I really loved to read as a kid. And um, I think I just wanted to capture like the warmth of the fox and make him a really like safe feeling creature that like, you know, as a kid, you just want to kind of cuddle up with. And I think the sort of talking about loss and that side of it, I I really like texts that have a quite a deep emotional starting point or like basis behind it. But I also love the way that Alex has kind of just brought out like loads of joy in it as well. And I love that because one of my favourite things is that, you know, when I'm feeling low, if someone just kind of can make me laugh or bring some joy in, it's just, it's like the best feeling ever. I'd love to talk about some of the illustrations in more detail. I thought we could have a look together at the book. Um, Steph, tell us a little bit about the illustration you're going to talk about. So I'm going to talk about the first spread, which it's always the the scariest one, the first spread, because you're sort of setting the scene and deciding, you know, if you've got that same room that's happening later on in the book, it's got to all marry up. Um, And I think this was the most challenging spread because I really wanted to create a sense of cosiness and somewhere that has been previously loved, but also give it that feeling that it, it needs some attention and it's not quite as sort of warm as Frey is hoping for at that moment. Um, but just the opportunity to kind of like fill it with loads of little details that kind of make me happy. Like, so um, when I was a kid, I used to just be obsessed with the wardrobes in our house because um, I'm from like a really big family and we had loads and loads of coats and loads of scarves and hats so putting loads of boxes of scarves and hats for some reason it just made me really happy because it was those touches at home that I really found comforting and yeah it was a really tricky scene to kind of orchestrate so I had to build myself a little maquette out of cardboard cereal packets with the eyes of my brother who's a carpenter watching me being like that wouldn't work that doesn't (laughs) the rain wouldn't fall off there that doesn't work so I had to get him to kind of help me figure out how it would all work which was really helpful to have a carpenter there but um, yeah so that was particularly challenging all illustrators need a carpenter is what I take away from (laughs) so that's to do with getting what the the dimensions the perspective uh, making sure it works from all angles because we're going to see this cottage on the outside as well as the inside so that consistency is important isn't it 
Yeah, definitely. And the kind of feeling I wanted to create in this spread was that the mum is there, but Freya maybe doesn't kind of like feel that yet or, or kind of understand that. That's the moment at the end when she realises, you know, she's got so much love with her mum. And I thought of like the house kind of that opening spread. They can't see each other. You can see them. So you can see that the mum has got like a positive smile on her face. She knows what this cabin can become and she she feels positive about being there but you can see Freya on the other side you can't see her mum they're sort of separated in that sense um, one of the things that I really loved actually because often the parent is quite depressed and pulled down by that and the child almost has a role in that story of bringing them back to themselves whereas here no doubt it's been hard for her but she is still retaining that warmth and you know care I just want to look at the colour palette for a moment, Steph. It doesn't escape me that although it's essentially blues, you've relieved it in some places in this picture. So maybe you could tell us a bit about that. Because it's set at night, I wanted to kind of create that magical feeling as well as it being kind of a bit cold and, and you know, the lights aren't up and stuff. But um, I think what I want to do is really just bring attention to the two characters, the mum and Freya. So by like pairing back all the colours, the story's already about their relationship. It's already about just the two of them. Just little things like the spot of yellow on her coat, just kind of like popping out that maybe it's like, oh, she might be wearing that coat later because that's a detail to kind of like remember sort of thing. And also the little decorations just popping out. So just some like little things to, to look out. And there are things that I've noticed as I've just been looking more more closely at this which perhaps when we come to the final illustration, I've noticed appear in that second illustration. Maybe we'll go there. We're kind of going straight to the end of the book, but these make a really good comparison, don't they? So this is the final double page spread after Freya returns home and the text says, because inside the light still shone. Tell us why you wanted to talk about this one, Alex. Well, this one... It's the ultimate kind of moment in the story where there's been a real transformation. Freya has gone from feeling quite afraid and alone um, at the beginning to feeling really close to her mum and very loved. And the whole spread is just a transformation of what you see at the very beginning. All of the colours have come out. I mean, like the chair is kind of so vivid and I love the little alcove where they're snuggled in together. Mm -hmm. I mean, who wouldn't want to sit in that alcove, right? It's just, I would totally want that to be my room. So I, I absolutely fell in love with it. When when Steph's finals came through and I was scrolling through the PDFs and each one was just like, <gasps> and then I got to this one and I cried because I just thought it's just stunning. Just the whole warmth and um, kind of joy and it's a little bit Christmassy as well. So it, it was just all of those wonderful feelings rolled into one image and, and there's so few words on this page that I thought, you know, the onus is really on Steph to bring mm. it to life. Yeah. Something else that I noticed is that the three birds above the picture are not there until this final spread. So presumably they've brought them in that pack of uh, decorations to make the place more homely. But they speak volumes, really. Yeah, there's all the little touches and details like that. that and in even the photograph where... You know, in the beginning, you only see half of the photo with with kind of a hint of Ray and her mum. And then at the end, you've obviously got the whole family there together. So, you know, so much has been thought about, so much care and 
attention have been put into this spread that yeah I, I I absolutely adore it it's, I love the northern light spread I thought that would be my favorite but actually this is my favorite spread of the whole story it's hard to have favorites in such a great book I love also the two cups together it's just a small detail but it's about togetherness because they were very separate the two characters in the beginning obviously they're together reading this book but the two cups the two mice all of these things have a closeness to them we're talking about your illustration as though we know more about it than you do Steph tell us what you would say about this one yeah it was just really great that you picked up on some of the things that I wanted to add in like the kind of twos and that's something that I I thought about throughout the whole book and the little mice especially like I just thought it would be nice to have someone to kind of go through the experience with Freya Mm. that wasn't the fox so that in those moments where she's kind of alone she's still got two little kind of friends I love babe and I love the mice and babe yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little bit of a like an ode to the mice and babe they kind of like sing about the emotions that are happening in the film it's the kind of same thing they're kind of going through the same experience as the mum and the daughter I'm going to have to pick a couple of illustrations myself and one of them has to be uh, the moment that the firefox creates by swishing his tail from side to side sending the frosty fires spiraling into the starlit sky You haven't told us about your technique. Uh, Was it easy to achieve? It was actually really, really difficult, but it's it's hard. So from the beginning, I really wanted to create the lights and make them really loose feeling, like the ones in the sky, the actual northern lights. Um, But I wanted them to be a little bit extra, like the fox is super magical. I thought they need to be like even more magical. Um, So what I did was... I got a really big piece of watercolour paper, stretched it and just threw colours on it and then waited for it to dry and then um, used like masking fluid and stuff to to pull out like little trees, like highlights. And then it was about layering up different watercolour marks that I'd made to sort of give it then the movement that it has. But it, it was quite a roundabout approach. I tried several different mediums to try and get that effect. But I think watercolour just had that magical edge and then on top of that you've obviously added in things like the snowflakes the star shapes were those inked on painted on or a few of them are watercolor and then some of them are like little pencil marks so I create all my work traditionally and then scan it in and recolor and like reposition it um digitally So it's a layered method. I'm almost thinking like I'm in Photoshop when I'm working, but it gives me the freedom to kind of move things, make things bigger. And I quite like that for this book because it could be so experimental and and two hoots were really instrumental in letting me just have fun with it. And um, I think that was a really important thing for me to kind of know that I I could experiment and have fun. I didn't have to freeze up too much. I wanted to ask you about the pacing of the story Alex which works so well for example if we look at the page where the fox is first introduced at the end of one spread we have out of the trees Freya gasped as she saw then we have the ellipsis the turn of the page we don't know what's coming until we turn that page and then we have this full-size white fox right across uh, the spread 
looking directly out at us. And I wondered about the pacing of this, which is obviously so right. It creates the surprise at the right time. I didn't work closely with the designer, but I did work closely with um, my editor, Helen Weir. And we actually did quite a lot of work on the pacing. Um, originally, I think, like on this spread, you had seen a glimpse of the fox on the previous spread. So you'd seen something emerging from the trees. That's in my illustration notes. And and uh, interestingly, these are the two spreads. I think we probably worked the hardest in terms of the pacing because we wondered, well, on, on this page where we see the fox, do we see Freya and the fox or just the fox? And as Steph's rough started to come through, that really helped because we could say, OK, now actually, you know, we would want the fox in full view in all his glory on the, the next page. So we don't have Freya on that page. And we did quite a lot of moving around of text as Steph's illustrations came through. So um, it was just really collaborative. I love your forest, uh, Steph. I love the way that you've picked out the colour, the highlights of the light, not only in white, which might be a more obvious colour, but in the pinks. So you get that sort of magical glow. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, it's tricky because because I was using so much blue, I did really want to keep things sort of joyful in, in small doses before you get to those massive like Northern Lights bits. So mm. adding a few bits of like pink and um, stuff just really kind of gave him a little bit of a, like a magical edge. It's a magical book. And I'd like to thank you both very much for taking time today to come and talk to me in the reading corner. I wish you all the best with the book. I'm sure it's going to do really well. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, Nikki. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review for us. To find out about other projects, including an audience with events and the Exploring Children's Literature Summer School, visit www.exploringchildrensliterature.uk. Join us again soon in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.